Can I talk to y'all for a minute? See, it's 5% of just that make up a relationship. 20% sexual passion. 20% conversational attraction. 20% to cooking satisfaction. 20% to the whole cleaning action. And 20% to financial fractions. And a relationship with a real man and a real one man. Usually four out of the five is applied. The other 20% is left to be desired. Which gives a feeling to be more appealing, more tempting. Like that other 20% to make your life more fulfilling. Home dummy, we as fellas go get these 20s. Cute face, thick waist, but can't cook clean converse to get money. It's funny, some of y'all got 80s at home right now, but riding around with a 20. In the passenger side of that same ride, without your girl co signing for you to drive, you still be on that bus stop with them bus dollars. And that 20 wouldn't even give you a chance to holler. Brother, keep it real. I know sex appeal, but it ain't all about sex appeal. That 20 gon' stay in the field, but that 80 won't treat you like less than a man because you show you feel. Because she know you real, and she knows even thugs shed tears. Nah, not saying you a thug, but that 80 gon' always put you above and let you know that even when you don't know it, you're always being loved. Brothers, get a clue just because it's cool. You ain't always gotta have a breezy dip, baby mama or boo. But on the other hand, these women nowadays are so disrespectful. They don't care if you're somebody's man. They just want a chance to intervene on her plans. But back to you 80s, hey, you know what they say. The grass is always greener, a little bit cleaner. And some 20 is trying to hurricane Katrina. Your man's demeanor, and have him put her instead of you on the passions inside of that beamer. So it's up to you 80s to jump in like FEMA and spin these 20s around like a ballerina. Vamanos, hasta la vista. Let her know that you're his own, your senorita. Okay, ma, it's time to ride. It's a war going on outside. And the 20s outnumber the 80s by a landslide. And still getting bigger. With every young girl looking for a man to compliment her figure. With every woman still looking for a father. With every female who puts herself worth in the form of Gucci, Louis, and Prada. It's a war between the 80s and 20s going on. So I ask you ladies, which side will you belong? 80s and 20s. 80s and 20s. Let's get it. Let's get it. Spoken hip hop. Spoken hip hop. Welcome to Art House Radio, Sugar Babies. I'm your host, as always, Troy Ramos. This is episode number 45. What you were hearing was Geronimo, spoken hip-hop, 80s and 20s. Geronimo's a rapper from Chicago. He sent that in as part of our call for works to people to send in so we could play them at the beginning of episodes in season two. It's been fantastic so far. Love collaborating with people and having people send stuff in. Super fun, by the way. You can follow Geronimo on Twitter, at Geronimo Speaks and geronimospeaks.blogspot.com. By the way, it's Geronimo with a J, so stick that J when you're looking it up. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy week. Have you been having a good week? I have as, I have as well. It's been busy, very busy, and I hate to complain, but uh, when you're busy, especially when you're talking about artistic projects, um, you know, you should really be grateful for that, and I am, but fuck if I'm not tired. I just, I shouldn't complain, but I, I really, really just want, like, two days where I can get high and then watch reruns of The Adventures of Pete and Pete while I stick pumpkin-flavored things down my Halloween hole. Maybe I should make that an episode. Halloween hole 
uh, it's about to flip, you know, as uh, as it gets colder and it's a little bit too cold right now in Michigan. Um, you know, the the heat will come back. I know how it works here, but uh, I like to think that that uh, winter shouldn't start until after Halloween. That's when it should be. And by the way, that means the holidays as well, uh, advertisers and retailers. So just back the fuck off until November 1st. You can wait. That's like two months of, of, of your barrage of stuff. Just give Halloween its proper credit. It's sort of like baseball and football. Baseball gets trampled over at the most important time of the year. Always by drunk football guy who bursts into the party. He's like, hey, look at me. And everybody's like, hey, it's drunk football guy. All right. That's, that's the best analogy I can come up with. I've said it for years. Um, some of you have heard me say that before, and I still think it's true. And that's what I feel about Halloween, too. Drunk Christmas guy comes into the room and is like, hey, everybody, I'm here. All right, it's party. And everybody moves over to the other side of the room. And Halloween guy who has the most awesome holiday ever, horror movies and pumpkin-flavored things, and everything's orange and beautiful in fall, and everybody just leaves that party and goes over to Drunk Holiday Guy. (sighs) What are we going to do? Today's episode is a special one. Why? Well, I am talking with Justin Andert. He is putting on a street art festival in Southwest Michigan, Southwest Michigan's first street art festival. Um... He's got three murals going up in downtown BC in Battle Creek. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. Um, I talked with him for a while. He's got uh, bonus saves from Kalamazoo, Syntax from Detroit, and Brandon Redmond from Battle Creek putting up three murals downtown. Um, up all three on West Michigan, by the way. Syntax has a really good mural. Um, they all do, but Syntax uh, tapped into something I think is a, a huge part of that city, which is Sojourner Truth. And you heard us talk about that earlier in the season. Um, Sojourner Truth is buried there. I can't remember the name of the cemetery. Oak Hill, I think. Please go ahead and uh, tweet at me and tell me if that's wrong. So um, if you're around, it's 4 to 10, Saturday, October 1st, and Festival Market Square, you can walk around and check out the murals. And if you're not, you can go to colorthecreek.com. You can also follow Justin at battlecreatures.co and at Battle Creatures on Instagram and Twitter. If you don't know, Battle Creatures kind of a, used to be like this uh, derogatory or negative thing to refer to somebody from Battle Creek. Justin took it, flipped it on them, and uh, wore it with pride. Yeah, so uh, I've got a shirt. You can buy some shirts. You can buy some hats. You can buy all kinds of things from BattleCreatures.co. You should do that. Just why not? Just go ahead. It, it's, it's, you'll like it. Plus, it's getting cold out. You're going to need more layers. Okay, let's go to the conversation with Justin Anner. We talk about Detroit street art. We talk about the uh, Color of the Creek Festival, obviously, and more. So here is my conversation with Justin Anner. Enjoy.
So um, let's go back to, do you remember the first time that you uh, went to see like a street art festival or some sort of, uh, you know, unveiling of some sort? Was it in Detroit? Was it Minneapolis? Um, yeah, I guess uh, the first time I actually got to witness one was in Detroit for uh, when Shepard Ferry came and did a his 18-story mural downtown, and then had his exhibition at the Library Street Collective. Yep. Um, before that, I was mainly just uh, an appreciator from uh, via the internet. I had gotten really intrigued in different street culture aspects um, through blogs and podcasts, things like that, and started following people once the social media boom came up so i was kind of a silent observer from uh from the web before but uh but then once i moved back to michigan from minnesota i you know made it a point to make sure i got to as many things in detroit and checked out the things that were already made there um since obviously that's become pretty much one of the bigger meccas for it yeah i think that was probably one of my first real experiences of street art too was when we went to that Shepherd Ferry unveiling, which was a fucking awesome party, by the way. And it was just, yes, it was. It was just huge. And I mean, there's so many murals. I mean, he got in trouble, I think, later on for putting up more than he should have. But some of those are just incredible. They're massive. And I don't. Yeah, the scale that he, the fact that he can take that imagery and make it at any scale is just something I don't think it's been seen before, at least on that level, because, um, I mean, there's some big street art festivals around the world. Um, Syntex, who did one of the murals for Color of the Creek, showed me a photo of a guy who had stacked eight shipping carts on top of each other and per like purposely moved them in different ways so they were kind of staggered but still stacked on top of each other. And then did an eight-story uh, mural of kind of like a, I don't even know, kind of a portrait of a cartoonish character. But it just the scale and the the canvas that he used was just extraordinary. That's crazy. I like I I did the same thing that you did, where I I found stuff online. I thought, oh sh shit, that looks really cool. I got to see this. But I don't know. I think now. Street art is so popular in Detroit that you've got people like Syntex, who I know has spoken out against uh, like sort of out of towners coming in to Detroit and doing murals or gallery owners, you know, sort of advocating for that. I mean, there was a piece in the Metro Times last year, I think, where he I don't know who he was referring to, but he, he started talking about this, this idea of culture vultures that come in and are sort of getting these walls up by owners while at the same time, sometimes Detroit artists are considered like not criminals, but uh, they're treated differently than maybe out of towners who have, you know, more uh, opportunities or have the advantage of like Shepard Ferry, even though Shepard Ferry's works are great. And I don't know what syntax would think of Shepard Ferry, but it is an interesting sort of dichotomy there. Yeah. I mean, just like anything, there's, um, layers and politics to it um it's cool because it's a weird crossroads right now because obviously as an art form it was a subculture um 
that was attractive to people because it's accessible to everyone and can technically be created by anyone because, I mean, it started by tagging. Um, I mean, there's some debate on when it's when street art technically started, but, um, you know, the real big, when the terms started coming together, I think was in the 70s in New York when people were spray painting the subway cars or yeah. writing their name all over the city on poles and things like that. So um, to have it evolve into the semi and or fully commercial art form, I think there's definitely people on both sides of the fence there. Yeah, definitely. I can, and, and Syntex isn't the only one. I'm sure there are plenty of Detroit artists who are, are dealing with not just street art, but this overall idea of gentrification or, or you know, the city changing into something that isn't just Detroit anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that was his qualm was one of the more famous national writers came in and just made a huge spectacle of the fact that he was there almost to the point of it almost had a tone of like, can you believe I'm in Detroit? <laughs> and, uh, and for someone that a had been writing since, you know, early nineties, mid nineties and had a name for himself in the city. And then also lived through pretty much the, the worst time period in Detroit and didn't leave, didn't, you know, stayed true to the scene there um, before it became cool to come back there. Um, I think I could definitely see why that would stir up some emotion. Yeah, it would definitely rub me the wrong way too. I think if I, if you know, if you you grow up in a city, especially a city that's been through what Detroit's been through, and then to see it started to get better, and then all these, and then some of these people that come in and sort of swoop in and like, oh, this is awesome! Hey, move over here. Let me, yep. let me uh, get this condo going here in the top floor in Midtown and. Exactly. You know, see you later, family of five that's been there since the sixties. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, they saw the neighborhood change probably from something really cool and positive to I'm guessing most places were pretty rough to look at at the very least, if not live in, and then uh and then to have it kinda acceleration of a uh, gentrification happening again in certain neighborhoods of Detroit is it's a very interesting study for sure it is and there, um, there's still a lot of neighborhoods that are untouched I mean if you the further out you go but like right downtown and midtown that's already expensive oh yeah it's crazy the gap is insane I'm surprised there hasn't been more written or talked about um, in that way because it's almost pricing itself too fast to you know, the it was becoming cool because artists, I, obviously anywhere that it's cheap to live, artists are going to flock to. Yep. And so if it accelerates that fast, they're going to almost, like, they're going to be just visitors, basically, people that come and live there for a couple of years and move right back somewhere else because um, they won't be able to afford it. Right. It almost reminds, if you go down there now, at least for the last year or two, there's so much construction going on of them saving buildings or putting buildings up. It almost, if somebody who lived through Berlin after the world war for several decades, it probably looks something like that. Like it's just, everything's going up so fast and it, it's almost like you could sense that some people, some business people or investors or whatever have been working underground for a long time. And now you're starting to see 
those flowers bloom and who knows what's going to happen at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot of it, there's a lot of things to be hopeful for, but then it's the death of art. So, uh, to see entire city become a a canvas for an art form because of the, you know, the fact that, a, there's just no one there to watch over things like that. You know, the, the yeah. police force was so depleted and everything like that. But then on top of it, it's just like certain areas, there's like, I don't even care uh, for right now. We have other things to worry about. Yeah. There's a house on fire somewhere, you know. Um, <laughs> so many house fires. So, yeah, I swear when I was growing up, I would go to concerts in Detroit and I, I can count maybe a whole handful of times where I got off the highway and there was something on fire and I was just like, you know, as someone that was from, not from there and they're, you know, all I'm hearing is the negative media stuff. And then I took drive there for some, for a reason and then have, see that you're like, Oh, this must be what's going on. But obviously you never know if, yeah, that, what the, yeah, go ahead. That's an interesting, was just an interesting thing for people like us who grew up, not far from Detroit, um, not a suburb, but just sort of outside. There's a perception that maybe, I don't know if Detroiters have, are aware of, but like when you, you go into downtown, like we did growing up, shit was on fire or it looked like what you would imagine a war zone or like there, there just were people sleeping on the streets everywhere or there was crime and like you're, Whoever you were with was like, listen, we're going to go to where we need to go and we're going to get the hell out of here, whatever you're doing. Oh, yeah. And, and stuff yeah, there was, was no, hey, let's go a few hours early. Let's go a few hours early and check it out. Like, <laughs> no, you left right when you had to to get to the concert on time. And, you know, a lot of the venues are either downtown, but, you know, not in the main stretch or right out of it. So it's just a little bit less visible so you know you feel just a tiny bit you already have the perception and then you get out of your car or whatever and you just have that perception and you kind of feel uneasy or whatever but now i feel like you know i've you and i've both kind of re-experienced it now in the last few years and it's crazy i mean i i walked from downtown uh almost to mexican town last time i was there and i didn't remotely have any sense of fear or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't stuck just downtown. It was, uh, you know, it, people pretty much keep to themselves. If you're not bothering people, they're not going to bother you. And I think uh, you just kind of have to keep that in mind. That's one of the, the most interesting things to me is that we were bar hopping there last weekend. And that's something you didn't do. And, and maybe people were doing it before, but they were Detroiters. I think they weren't, they weren't people from, just outside or in other parts of Michigan or outside of Michigan. Like I never felt before that I could just walk anywhere. I felt like I could walk down to the border. I could walk downtown midtown and we were out at Eastern market. It's incredible. The change I think. Oh yeah. I mean, again, it's like, I think, I don't know if you can attribute it all to art, but things like that start popping up and people just feel better in general uh, with what they're seeing and where they're located. And so, you know, that's going to have some kind of positive energy or whatever it is that is kind of slowly starting to like 
emanate, I guess, from the from uh, the, the city itself. So you can almost feel it when you drive in now. You're like, man, there's kind of this is something cool is going on here. Yeah, you get a, you get that sense for sure. It's interesting how art almost revives a city, or it seems like it's reviving Detroit. And I assume that that's happened before elsewhere. It, eventually, those artists will be priced out, but they had some sort of a role in revitalizing it, making it alive again. Yeah, uh, I was listening to another podcast, and uh, a guy who owns a streetwear brand was kind of just talking about, as a designer, you know, you just want things to look better and look cleaner. So if you have a, if you have a city full of artists, they probably mostly have that same mindset where they're like, oh, instead of seeing what isn't there, they're seeing what could be there um, versus, I would say, a, like an average person that may just look at everything for exactly what it is at that moment. Yeah, right. And so to have that, to have a big population of people that have that outlook, I think is a huge advantage. It definitely takes, you got to have some sort of vision, whether it's from an investor or it's from a big money guy or an artist, whoever. Somebody's got to be able to see it for what it can be, not for what it is, which is, I think, something that Southern Michigan in some parts has struggled with for quite a while. Yeah, and that's kind of why I was, um, when I moved back, I, you know, stopped in Battle Creek and I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't really have much plan to stay here for very long. I was traveling quite a bit for a little while and whatnot. And so, um, but in the time that I did spend here, I was just same thing. I was just driving around and I didn't really, I don't know why or what it was, but I just had this kind of burning feeling where I was like, this is, this has the potential to come back to, you know, right. um, Battle Creek was never in its heyday in my lifetime. I, you know, when I was very young. There was, it was kind of the edge of it. Um, the world's longest breakfast table, you know, it's still, that still drew people from all over the region. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, I think they just, we're just trying so desperately to keep these things that have been institutions for so long. They were like focused all their energy on keeping those going instead of innovating. And so I think now it seems like there's new energy. And that's why, you know, I'm really trying to do some things here creatively that um, maybe haven't been done. And that's kind of where this Color of the Creek idea came for the street art festival that I'm doing. Battle Creek has such an interesting history for this, a city that size, especially. I mean, you can name off all the cities that have. In that, in this sort of lower Michigan uh, area, with Detroit, Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, uh, even Kalamazoo, um, but Battle Creek has such an interesting history. Being like geographically located where it is it was so advantageous in like the late 1800s for the industry, and like it was in between. It's on that 94, uh, you know, that 94 stretch. So it's like perfectly situated between Detroit and Chicago, where industry yeah. sort of like happened there and and the sanitarium and all these all these historical things that probably don't happen to cities that are 50 60 70,000 people big and so like no yeah the idea of having uh boomerangs as they call them I was talking to somebody yesterday and she referred to people who leave and come back as boomerangs and to have yes. battle creek boomerangs sort of hanging around and trying to make something interesting happen it's super not only possible and it's a great opportunity, but it has the potential to be something really interesting, not to be huge, but to be something interesting. 
Yeah, and that's what I'd like to see. You know, there's no reason to. There's some other good examples. I don't think there's too many um, on the scale of Battle Creek, but I use like Des Moines, Iowa. It's kind of a mid-major city. Um, they're doing some really cool things. Uh, I don't know. There's just. I, it seems like there's kind of a. In terms of like, a, there's a resurgence in people going to cities, but I feel like they're pricing those people out so quick that they're going to start to return. I feel like it's already happening. I don't know if there's, it's probably not been going on long enough for there to be like data or anything, but just in my own personal circles, I feel like in Battle Creek itself, most of the people that are doing new progressive things left and came back. And so, um, again, like you were talking about that Southern, like Southwest, South Central Michigan mentality of like, yeah, you know, we're just kind of, some, you know, we're here, but you don't really need to stop on your way to Chicago. You know, I don't know. I feel like there's some opportunity to really make some unique things happen here. And there is like a weird mentality of, yeah, we know we're not that great or something. I don't know. And you're like, uh, well, that, that mentality isn't changing it. Uh, right. You know, there's no reason that we can't be just as great. And there's a lot of world famous artists and obviously like athletes and stuff that come from small towns. So it's not like talent doesn't breed, like breed in small towns. It's just, it gets developed better in bigger areas. So if you can figure out a way to, you know, nurture it or um, kind of create a place for people to develop into these great things without leaving, that'd be great. Yeah. And because of Battle Creek size, one thing that, a city that size has to its advantage is that if you want to sort of open up a new channel or a new cult, a new cultural element, it's maybe easier because you don't have to change this massive city into something like you, like Detroit's so big. You can, there's not, you can maybe work on a neighborhood or something and maybe that will take off. But for battle Creek, you can actually probably get a little momentum if you get something going. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you go back to the the Kellogg's analogy, it's like people throw away the idea of something new or cool starting in Battle Creek anymore because they're like, well, you know, it's just not where it happens. But, uh, you know, when he invented cornflakes, that was an absurd idea. No one was going to eat anything like that for breakfast. And the idea of eating for health was a completely new idea. And the fact that he built that infrastructure from this, this region, why would we ever think that anything else isn't possible here? Right. Or that the sanitarium was a terrible idea or Del Shannon singing downtown, uh, battle Creek telling people he's going to be a star. That was a crazy idea. And they're all crazy ideas until they're yeah. not. Exactly. So, and I think, what I'd like to see here is, you know, there's a, there's still, I would say more than Detroit, that downtrodden overall at like uh, persona here where you walk into a, a mire or something and you just look around the cashier lines and it's just people that work hard and, you know, maybe don't get what they should in right. return for that. And so they just kind of look a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, you know, they're just, Apathetic they're looking or... like they're apathetic yeah and just kind of morose or whatever and so what i'd like to see is if you kind of just embrace that you say you know 
maybe things aren't easy for me or maybe this isn't what I thought my life would be or whatever. And, but I'm still here. I think what happens is if you can kind of create an energy and people can kind of rally around that, be like, you know what, we're just going to embrace it and we're just going to all like each other now and really connect with each other. I think art does that. Like, like art brings people together in ways that people don't know. Um, and so I think really pushing that and supporting that here is a huge step for kind of making this place a little bit more attractive to outsiders. Definitely. It has, I mean, for, and I've always said on this podcast, uh, cause battle Creek comes up a lot that people apply the battle Creek model or story to wherever they're at. So being specific, if nobody's ever been there, it doesn't matter because they go through the same struggles. If you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, well, this is going to be a shitty day and then your day's going to be shitty. So if you, yep. if, if a city collectively, if you've got enough people who are like, all right, let's do something cool. We're all going to just go drink beer downtown and hang out and be positive. That, that sort of snowballs the other direction. So instead of apathy, it turns into hope or excitement or entertainment or fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of even personal changes come from just starting to be to think the things that you're wanting. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to an example of me is, you know, I, I was working some in the banking and corporate world for a while. And I just, you know, it wasn't what I wanted. And I just kind of probably not the best way to do it, but I just completely severed it uprooted and came back to Michigan to sort things out. And I just knew I wanted to live more of a passion filled life with creativity as the driving force behind it. And even just thinking that I was doing that and making that like a, a change like that, even though maybe there wasn't any tangible results for a while, it was just enough to like wake up every day and be like, this is what I'm doing now. And I, I honestly feel better. Even though there wasn't anything in writing to show that I was doing better. Yeah. You could probably f feel or sense that you're like moving towards something that that hasn't happened yet or that is taking shape still, but it feels like the right path rather than crunching numbers or ringing somebody up at Long John Silver's or whatever it is. Exactly. You're like, okay, I know I'm, I took a, I did something to take a step towards what I wanted and just doing that made me feel more like I am who I want to be, even if there's other things that are making it, you know, not that way. And, and I'm not quite there yet. Right. So I remember like a year ago, we went to eat at San Francisco Taqueria and you were telling me about the street art festival. So color the Creek, you got three artists. You got, you got bonus saves and you got Brandon, Brandon Redmond and, um, Synt yep. syntax. So how did you run into syntax? How did you, how did you encounter his work first? So he was part of my, um, his, some of his work had popped up in, you know, in my internet surfing days. Um, I can't remember exactly which pieces it was, but his name came up a couple times, uh, just in some things I read and maybe some photo spreads of some murals or whatever. And then I think just one of, uh, he did a really great one of Rosa Parks in oh, Detroit. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, he, he does that photorealistic portraiture with the spray can and, um, you know, had a great quote from her and everything on the side of it. And it just that was the first time 
the just the detail in the portraits and everything that really struck me. And then, then I think I, you know, just kind of followed him on social media channels and things like that and just kind of kept up with him. So, um, I knew about, um, some of the stuff, you know, when you do new pieces, I'd, I'd see it. And, and then when I'd go to Detroit, I'd try to find it and check it out. And so, um, I had him in mind and, uh, one of the ones I, the mural, it's kind of crazy to see it come to life now, but I, um, when I moved back as well, I, you know, I'd known the history of Sojourner Truth growing up. Uh, Battle Creek does a pretty good job of educating its children on her and her importance, but there's a lot that you don't know um, without doing a little bit of digging. And, you know, she's just such a powerful figure. And the idea of a woman um, really questioning and pushing back um, in that era is, you know, borderline unheard of. So, the fact that she, you know, was a person of color and a huge uh, woman's rights activist at the same time, you just, you're like, man, how do you wake up and be like, I'm just going to piss off pretty much everyone today uh, other than the people I'm trying to help. Um, and then, you know, and still do it every day and make a big, and actually make an impact. And and you can so, sense how I got off track. She, yeah, no, that's a good one because it's relevant. Uh, no, so then I was like, you know, I just kind of had this, idea I was like well he does these great portraits um I'm gonna and then I saw this one where he um I think it was of uh, Joe Lewis the boxer and he had done a portrait and he just put Detroit in big block letters you know obviously he uh is a big symbol of Detroit so um I thought how could that how could I convert that to a Battle Creek theme so I was like okay the Sojourner Truth and then just the idea of the word truth I think it's just, you know, obviously really thought provoking. And if you just kind of leave it blank and let people decide what that, what they should take from that word, mm. I think that's a really interesting thing, especially for here and Battle Creek where maybe they, people are like we were talking about, they're going through their day-to-day life trying to get things done. And maybe they're not very often stopping to think um, deep, more deeply on any topic throughout their day. So yep. just maybe even as they're driving by and seeing that mural, if that makes them think for just a few minutes, that'd be cool. Yeah. And I think the word truth, especially given the historical context for BC, uh, super powerful. That could be a really big rallying uh, word or hashtag or something. Um, truth being like, exactly. We, not for everything. And, you know, like, like if people see that, it, it's, a, it's a great mural. And you can see, if you go online, um, people can see photos of it. But all these, all these, the three murals that you've got going up for the, the festival are all in West Michigan? Yes, yep. So kind of our main drag of our downtown in Battle Creek here is uh, Michigan Avenue. So just happened to work out that I found three locations all on there of uh, – Either two, there was two buildings that were unused and you know just sat for years, so that they weren't real vis- visibly pleasing. Um, and then one that was um, a building that's being used, but you know could use a little sprucing up. So they uh, they just kind of worked out to do them all right there. And uh, you know I wanted to start start kind of small, you know, keep it to one area, introduce the idea to the to the community. You know, it's not. Uh, something that's been done here before so they you know i think it's a good start and so yeah the idea was just kind of either like some vibrancy so that's where you know the bright colors that syntax added into that portrait were just 
I think it really fit in with the, the the loose theme that I wanted for the murals, which was, you know, bright colors, kind of new vibrancy, new energy. And so um, he did a great job with that one. And then we got bonus saves from Kalamazoo, who he does a lot of painting in Battle Creek. So I thought it'd be good to get him involved. And he does some pretty cool nature scenes. So he did a, you know, it's just like a, um, it's like a duck, uh, mother duck and her ducklings. But he used uh, some color, you know, some bright, vibrant neon colors to make it pop and give it a new spin. And then uh, Brandon's going to kind of do his, uh, he's got a Believe in Battle Creek slogan and he kind of created a logo for So he's going to do a pretty big version of that. So, you know, I think it's just the idea of, changing that mindset again you know being like um I'm, i know you talk about battle creek a lot on this but like there is just that i think it's breaking but there was for so long been that idea that it's cool to hate battle creek yeah. um so i <laughs> if you live here you're like you're supposed to make fun of it if you like and you know i'm just trying to change that because obviously that doesn't do any good to anyone it's a good defense mechanism if you feel like you're not somewhere where you want to be, but it's not helping the situation by any means. No. So if we can kind of change that a little bit just through people seeing things that are positive as they go about their daily life, I think that would be a good step in the right direction. But in general in life, and I'm not saying this about Battle Creekans, but in, in general in life, it's easier to be shitty. Like it's it's harder to try oh, yeah. and try to try to put yourself out there that's harder and and for any place oh, yeah. if you can sort through. of change that it's it's it can work to your to everyone's advantage not just yours yeah i mean uh you know everything's perception and um i you know i used to i would say be more of an unhappy person just like in my younger years of just same thing that i don't know if it's just chalk it up to angst or whatever but like like you said, it's just, it was so easy to wake up and be like, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just going to do nothing, you know? And so it's kind of the same idea, but it's just more of a uh, psychological thing. But so I think, you know, the art scene, if you can kind of just start to show people like, you don't have to go to Detroit for this anymore. We're going to do it right here. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to go a long ways. I think so. And I mean, if you, th if you think about the last say two years, We've both had art shows downtown, and now you've got this festival coming downtown. That's a pretty big, those are pretty big things to sort of start pushing in, in the BC in the direction of art. Because like you have Bonus Saves, who's done murals on the north side, which are cool. But downtown, this is kind of one of the first times that you're seeing at least any murals, but especially several, go up in the same week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, again, it's not a new idea uh, to the to the outside world to do a festival of this nature. But I think putting a Battle Creek spin on it, making it just like a, okay, uh, I kind of purposely, I, you know, I obviously announced the event and everything, but I kind of purposely didn't say the locations, the murals, things like that on social media. I wanted people to just happen upon things. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, word gets out and then especially with the truth mural people were really really excited about it so word got out and obviously it's on a main street too so people see it but the idea was like this is just this is just going to appear and that's kind of the nature of street art itself too is 
before, like when mainly it was without permission, you're supposed to just be like, show up, paint something, walk away, and then let people see it and react to it and be confused about where it came from and or excited that it's there now, you know? Yeah. So I think I was trying to kind of follow that guideline. I was uh, trying to be like, you know, it's obviously people are going to see these going up, but I don't want to necessarily announce it quite yet exactly where they are because I, I want that surprise and that, um, that I don't know, hopefully a warm feeling when people see something that maybe on their daily walk at lunch, if they work at the Kellogg's corporate downtown, they probably walked by the building that now has the nature scene on it and saw rusty brick with garbage in front of the building. And hopefully now they see a nature scene and it just get, maybe gives them a little bit of a warm feeling for a second. I think rusty brick would be a pretty good street artist name. <laughs> True. <laughs> you could, uh, I might have to take that. Yeah. <laughs> we could both use it. We'll just become like our both of our alter egos, like Rusty Brick. Did you see that Rusty Brick mural? <laughs> I'm just going to tag buildings that look like crap. I'm just going to write my name as if I did it as art. Oh, that's a really good idea, actually. Just take, take the natural <laughs> landscape, but Rusty Brick, 2016. Thank you for listening. Art House Radio is brought to you by people like you who go to our website, arthouse43.com. They click on donate and then they give us some of their uh, financial love. Creative projects are never free, so any support you can give will be greatly appreciated. I uh, got some great episodes coming up. You know, we're talking next week. It's a special week. We've got um, Tracy Snelling, artist Tracy Snelling, who has a work at Art Prize at the UICA. We're talking with Art Prize exhibition director Kevin Beist. That's that's a big one, right? Um, we've got, uh, we'll be at the art prize award ceremony. We, um, we will also be talking with artist Parisa Gaderi. She's from Iran and she moved to Ann Arbor and that'll be, that's a good conversation. Also comedian Alicia Sanchez, who is based in Seattle. She also hosts the moth when it's in Seattle, pretty big deal. So those are going to be some good episodes. We've also got an episode on Terrence McKenna. We know that that's a big topic because I see the downloads and you guys and girls love Terrence McKenna, don't you? As do I. Well, okay, that's going to do it for this week, this special episode, this 
this uh, this uh, street art festival based episode. Yeah, it was based on a lot of things, I guess, too. I mean, that was the focus. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Have a great weekend, and I will see you next week. Until next time, friends. <laughs>